Schuster scrambles He's left, winds up, runs up. He's got time to the 10 to the yes. five. Poppin' Bucks fans, this is the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy Podcast, and I'm your host, Vanilla Gorilla, here with my dudes T-Plush and Sunshine. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, uh, just search Wisconsin Trilogy Pod, and we'll pop up. Uh, boys, the first round is in the books. Um, well, pretty much. Uh... The Bucks have been giving Detroit the whooping of a lifetime, so much so that they may even rethink about trying to make the playoffs next year. Boys, <laughs> give me a description of the crime scene. Yeah, crime scene, that's a good way to describe it. Um, <laughs> the first game of this series was ridiculous. Um the Bucks went up 38 to 18 at the end of one quarter. Uh, was not close from the tip. Basically, the Bucks had an early like 10-4 lead. I think that was the closest the game was after that. Um, so, not a ton to talk about in terms of like a good game or anything, but. Some interesting stuff that happened during the game. Um, Andre Drum. Well, let's just talk about the Pistons starting lineup. Okay, there are plus minuses. <clears throat> Thonmaker, minus 16. Drummond, minus 45. Reggie Jackson was a minus 35. Wayne Ellington, minus 41. And Bruce Brown was minus 25. So, that kind of tells you how the game went for them. Um, and pretty much the only decent player on their team in Game 1 was Luke Kennard, who was 4 of 5 from 3, 8 of 14 overall from the field, and he had 21 points. But on the Buck side, the exact opposite, the worst starter was Eric Bledsoe with a plus 27. Giannis and K mid plus 30. Uh, Brooke Lopez plus 35 and Sterling Brown plus 38. And the starters all played 25 or fewer minutes. So it's great keeping everyone kind of fresh. Um, this was the first game that we saw Miritich back. Did not play particularly well. 0 of 5 from 3. 2 of 8 from the field with 4 points. Um, he was a plus 4 in 15 minutes. Which, that was just the Bucks dominating. Not really 
showing how well he played or anything, but yeah, I stopped watching this game in the fourth quarter. <laughs> it was that boring of a game and that much of a blowout that I just stopped watching. Yeah, I'm sure you're not the only one. <laughs> you know we're in a good place when you're bored with a Bucks playoff blowout. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It was perfect, uh, though, because so Game of Thrones was on. True. So it worked Very out true. well. Your precious Game of Thrones, <laughs> dear Lord. <laughs> it's good, Tyler. Start watching it. Um, I'm beyond help with that. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Ooh. I'll make you a bet. If the Pacers don't win this series, you have to start watching it. <laughs> you know, maybe last week I would have felt for that, not this week. <laughs> uh, all right, well, I guess we'll move on into game two here. Um, same crime scene at Pfizer form. Um, not as clean, I guess, even though you wouldn't guess that looking at the 21-point victory as the Bucks won 120-99. to um, Lots of support from the Bucks in terms of Packer players, Brewer players in the house. David Bakhtiari kind of got the party started by chugging a beer on the Jumbotron. A spotted <laughs> so cow. Spotted, yeah, I don't know how he did that, <laughs> but he might give uh, the Vanilla Gorilla some competition, I'm thinking. It was pretty quick. I'll take so. Bakhtiari. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Scott. You might lose that one. Um, but game-related, um, Bucks blow them out. Um, kind of looking at the Bucks stats here, Lopez was brilliant. So was Bledsoe. They kind of led the way. Um, Lopez only had eight points, ended up a plus 27 on the night. Kind of ironic, but Bledsoe scoring-wise, 27 points. Giannis, 26. Middleton, 24. Contributions from a little bit of everyone. Um, the game, the Bucks were actually down at the half. Um, Detroit kind of used the big second quarter, outscoring the Bucks 32-20 to 20 in the second. Um, but, you know, at that point, I was like, okay, I'm not too worried. Um, we've seen the Bucks. Being we'll say close games before all regular season usually they come out the third quarter and just dominate and that's kind of what happened Giannis went on a 7-0 run to start the third and it results in the Bucks outscoring the Pistons 35 to 17 Giannis had huge block on poor little thin maker um, swatting it like up to the nose bleed seats it seemed like um, on the Detroit side not a whole lot to talk about. You mentioned Drummond's plus minus earlier. Um, second game, hey, he improved. He was only a minus 32 the second game. <laughs> wow, that's great for him. I know. What a, <laughs> what a stud. And he said he was playing the best basketball of his career at this point. Yikes. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, yeah, only bright spot, Luke Kennard. Um, we kind of mentioned it in the Pistons preview. I said if he gets hot, might cause a little bit of trouble. He's hot, but... Obviously, the Pistons as a team just suck overall. He was four for six from three-point line in game two, finished with 19 points. Um, I mean, other than that, I don't have anything else for game two. More domination. Murder scene is – it was a good one. <laughs> yeah, and then the murder scene switch, switches to Detroit. 
and the Bucks just continue um, dominating game three. Um, again, not as big of a blowout as game one was, but domination, domination from tip to final buzzer um, again. In game three, Giannis didn't play very well. Um, in the starting lineup, he was the only one that was a negative. He was minus seven. He was five of 13 from the field, 0 of three from three. Had 10 rebounds, three assists, 14 points, but he did have four turnovers. Um, outside of that, I think the really notable players um, from this game, Chris Middleton played pretty good, um, 20 points, 3 of 6 from 3, 7 of 13 from the field, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, and then coming off the bench, it was nice to see Miritich look a little better from 3 in this game, um, he ended up being 3 of 5, that was the only shots he took, was from 3, um, 12 points for him. And then Ursan and George Hill kind of carried the bench in minutes, plus minus points. They were kind of leading all of those from the bench unit. Um, and we did get to see a little Tony Snell came in in the final minute of the game and posted a great stat line um, and a minus six. So... <laughs> So still yeah. keeping his stats up. Yep, right at zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one thing I forgot to mention, especially from the first game, it got a little better throughout the series. Still not great, but um, Giannis's free throw shooting was terrible game one. Um, so game one, he was 5 of 12 from the line. Um, and I mean in a game that was a 35 point blowout doesn't really matter but it's just something to keep an eye on um i know in the previous couple post seasons he hasn't shot as well from the free throw line um so something i'm a little concerned about and especially in games that are going to be closer in series that are going to be closer we need him to step up at the free throw line um so that was kind of my biggest takeaway from these first three games, other than Detroit not being a great team. Um, but Yeah, it was good to see Giannis rebound at the free throw line. You mentioned his struggles, especially the last couple of years. Um, but it seems like Giannis is a streaky free throw shooter. Um, you know, we saw during the season he'd go on stretches where he'd have those you know five or 12 games or whatever and then you know he'd get all pissed off about it and go practice free throws for an hour after a game and also the next game comes back and makes like 10 for 10 <laughs> so uh, I'm not too worried he's finding his playoff groove here and when it matters in the next series I think he'll be ready for that moment I hope yeah. so his yeah. In game two and three, his free throw shooting still wasn't great, though. Like, he was three of five in game two and four of six in game three. I mean, not terrible like the first game, but there's still still room for improvement. 
and I just thought he didn't get to the line much the last two games, which was kind of interesting, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have on this series so far. Yeah, I mean, um, the only thing that's really different now is Blake Griffin's back, um, and he got the 27 points in his first game back, but it didn't end up really helping too much. Um, he he didn't shoot too well from the field either, um, and but he was probably the best on the Pistons as far as net rating besides Reggie Jackson. But um, yeah, it's not nothing to really worry about right now. Um, yeah, so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna since pretty much this season series is over, as well as the Pacers Celtics series, we're just gonna move on and talk about our next second round matchup. All right, so we're gonna do it how we did the um, how the Pistons series. So uh, we're gonna first start by looking at the backcourt. So obviously the Bucks have Eric Bledsoe, and right now Sterling Brown has been starting. Um, no real word on when exactly Malcolm Brogdon will be back. Uh, uh, there have been talks that he could be back during the second round. Uh, we'll see. He's been participating more in practice, so hopefully. That's a good sign. Also, Tony Snell coming back. We don't know if he might be inserted into the starting lineup or not. But anyways, we got whichever of those three, most likely. And then, obviously, the Celtics have Kyrie and Jalen Brown has been starting. Um, what do you guys think about that matchup? I am super, uh, super stoked for some Bledsoe and Kyrie going right at it. Um, cause fuck Rogier. We're not even going to mention him <laughs> in this podcast. Oh, we <laughs> might have actually... to mention him. <laughs> uh, so we'll actually get to see this matchup this year and, oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be really, really good. Um, I just, I was kind of glancing over Kyrie's stats here. Um, I guess I didn't pick up on the fact he's shooting 40% from three this year, taking about six and a half shots from downtown a game. Um, so, you know, Bledsoe's going to have to work. He's going to have to be at his top performance of getting over them screens and chasing Kyrie um, off the three-point line, um, I think, to make a big factor in that regard. Obviously, you're not going to slow him down. Well, you're going to slow him down. You're not going to stop him. Um, so we just need just effort out of Bledsoe. I don't care if he averages less than 10 points a game next series. If he can keep Kyrie under wraps, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. I think that's pretty important to stop Kyrie, obviously. Um, that's their one true superstar right now, and you have to shut him down. I have a lot more confidence this year in Eric Bledsoe than I did last year, so I really feel like he's going to be up to the task. He's going to remember what happened last year to 
to him from Terry Rozier, and he's not going to let that happen again this year. Um, and I think he's going to come out and play some great defense. And like you said, Tyler, I think it's more important for him to be able to go out and shut down Kyrie than produce on the offensive end. I think if he's able to shut down Kyrie, then everyone else is going to have to step up on the offensive side of the ball. And so Chris, Giannis, Brooke, um, you know, Miritich, Hill, Ursan, all those guys need to step up and score and let Bledsoe do all his work on the defensive side. Yeah, uh, obviously Kyrie is one of the dominant point guards of the league. He's a very clutch player, so hopefully uh, Bucks aren't really in that situation where they're up one or tied or something and Celtics have the ball. Um, but then again, Eric Bledsoe has been a monster on defense, so um, he might be able to counteract Kyrie. Um, I think Jalen Brown is a solid player. He always seems to do pretty well against the Bucks. Um, so I think he gets the edge over Sterling because of experience and um, let's be honest, he's just overall a better player. Um, mm -hmm. So personally, I think that Boston has this matchup just because Kyrie is such a phenomenal player. Um, he's been able to put the team on his back this first round. Um, that's my thought. I would agree. Kyrie almost alone takes this, and Jalen Brown's a good player. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue against that. Um, in regards to our, our Brown versus Brown matchup, um, I do think um, Sterling definitely gets the edge defensively. Um, he's, you know, he's a pest. I don't know if last night he basically went up to Andre Drummond looking to pick a fight. Um, so Sterling's going to be a little pest, um, especially um, to Jalen Brown. So, I mean, you know, maybe maybe Sterling can be that uh, that guy. You know, we say playoff teams need someone who, like, everybody hates and, like, who lights that spark. And, you know, I think maybe Sterling can be that in this series. That would be huge for us. I think the Celtics fans already hate blood, so. <laughs> That's true. true. Not going <laughs> to let you <laughs> um, one thing before we move on, I th would find it interesting if we had a uh, healthy Malcolm Brogdon in this conversation, because then I'm not so sure the Celtics have this area um, hmm. better than the Bucks do. What do you guys think about that? So you think, you think Brogdon over Jalen Brown is the same difference as Kyrie over Bledsoe? Yeah, I do. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I kind of agree with Trevor. I mean, you have to, you have to take an account if it was a healthy Brogdon though, if he had yes. been playing and back in his groove, Mister Consistency. But I mean. Say Brogdon does come back. I don't. Need, I don't know if he's gonna start. You know, we don't know how many minutes he's gonna play. How good he's gonna look. So, if 
in real life scenario, even if Brogdon is back, uh, I don't know. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Like, what like when do you think Brogdon's gonna come back? I don't know. I mean, everybody was hoping for the second round. Um, I don't. You know, I was hoping Miritich was gonna play more in this first series um, and have him kind of back up to his minutes load for the Celtics series. But, you know, I bet you if Brogdon comes back, we see him how Miritich is now. Miritich only played, like, what, 10 to 15 minutes tops these first three games. Mm -hmm. So uh, that'd be my guess on how he's used. But who knows? (laughs) I mean, obviously I'm hoping he's coming back for this series because it would be huge – to have him back, I mean, even with the rust and not being, like, fully in shape because it was a foot injury, so there's not much he can do in terms of conditioning. But I feel like um, having him back is going to be huge no matter if he has some rust or not just because, I mean, a 50-40-90 guy – it's going to be great to have him back in the lineup. And it's kind of crazy that the Bucks are just like walking over the Pistons right now and they don't have a 50-40-90 player that they had all year and they're still just demolishing a team in the playoffs. Granted, it's the Pistons, it's the East, it's the 8 seed, but I still think it's impressive what they've been doing and getting Brogdon back for this series would be absolutely absolutely huge even if he has some rust to work out but I imagine he'll come back to a game or two at 15 minutes and then working up to 20 25 30 minutes um in the games after that yeah I, yeah I, personally I'd still give the edge to Boston um, because Brogdon's going to have that rest. He's not going to be a 50-40-90 guy for at least the first round that he's back. Um, but but we'll see. Um, either way, this will be a very intense, interesting matchup. Um, so let's look at the front court. Um... Obviously, Bucks, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez. Celtics are rolling out. Jason Tatum. They've been starting Al Horford and Aaron Baines against the Pacers. I don't see that necessarily being their lineup against the Bucks, but it could be because they've been having Al Horford match up on Giannis uh, in the past. So what do you guys think of this matchup? Um, uh, I think for th- go ahead, go ahead. but you go. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. We'll kind of, we'll start with Chris and Tatum and it's, I don't know. It's kind of like that, the argument of like, you know, Tatum's the Celtics number two score, you know, averaging 15 points a game. And then, you know, Chris is as well. Um, so kind of the interesting dynamic there of watching, both teams number twos match up one another I think the good part is we know this isn't going to be Jason Tatum's coming out party again like it was last year it's kind of when he really 
broke through and busted onto the scene that first round against the Bucks. Um, so we know what to expect from him. It's not going to be a surprise. Um, but, you know, I think between those two, I have to give give the edge to Chris there. Um, you know, Chris has been, we'll say, relatively quiet um, this first round because he hasn't had to do a whole lot. But I'm hoping uh, playoff Chris, flamethrower Chris, um, can recreate some of what he did last year against the Celtics and just light him up. Because um, Chris, you know, he's got the ability to create those tough shots and make them. Um, in which we might need in a series against the Celtics, which we haven't needed against the Pistons. So advantage Chris, in my opinion, there. Um, Giannis Horford, um, obviously advantage has to go to Giannis there, MVP. Um, but I think the Al Horford dynamic is going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, when we've played the Celtics in the past this year, with our zone drop, pick and roll, we always see Horford get up a ton of threes. Um, in two games against Milwaukee, he's put up 17 threes, so about eight and a half per game when his season averages around three threes a game. So I expect that to be inflated to the max just like that all series long. So Horford's the biggest X factor. If he can knock down enough threes, that might keep the Celtics either A, hanging around, or B, give them the edge, depending well, on how the game's going. So, Tyler, do you think that's going to be the same if they roll out this lineup again and Giannis matches up with Al? No, yes, I think it will. Really? Um, so, I mean, Giannis doesn't drop as much as Brooke does. So if you got Brooke and Aaron Baines, Brooke can drop all he wants on Aaron Baines. You can let him shoot. I think Giannis... Right. Giannis could stick to Al a bit more. But Giannis uh, sags off his guys anyways, though, because he wants to be that rover defender so he can help on the weak side. So he's he's sagging off players already. Um, and that's, like, the biggest issue with Giannis's defense because he is that rover, like, back line of the defense type player for in our defense – um, I think that doesn't necessarily bode well for us. Um, I would also find it interesting to have Brooke on Horford just because Brooke has shown, if Bud wants him to, that he doesn't necessarily just need to drop and he's capable of hedging or switching in a pinch if we need him to. Um, he's shown that he's a little bit more versatile on the defensive end than I initially thought. So I would prefer to see Brooke on Al Horford, but I mean, if Giannis is covering him, he is going to sag off just because that's what Giannis does. Yeah, he yeah, does can... if he feels that he can too. I mean, if Bud's going to be like, hey, this is our matchup, we want you to stick more closely to this guy. And he, I mean, he's gonna. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes and no. It's it's hard to say because, I mean, the, the Bucks pride themselves on not giving up points in the paint. I mean. Right. And that's so, I mean, why we have Brooke. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, I mean, if Giannis is guarding Horford and has to stick closer to him then that's one less big body we're gonna get 
in the paint, um, say when Kyrie's driving or Tatum's driving, anything like that. Um, I mean, I think Brooke, for the most part, would be able to handle that help side defense. But, you know, having those extra bodies in there, forcing turnovers, I think that helps too. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of play that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what do you guys think? I think this one's kind of a no-brainer. Bucks, easily. Yeah. Bucks. All right, this one, um, we're going to talk bench real quick. This one seems like a pretty close matchup, in my opinion. Uh, Bucks got Ersan, George Hill, Miritich, um, Pat Connaughton. Right now, we'll, uh, we'll see how the injuries uh, shape up. But then you got the Celtics who bring out Gordon Hayward, um, Morris, Terry Rozier, and Daniel Thies has been playing. Um, yeah. Boston's bench beat us up last year. So what do you guys think? Mm. This uh, this for me is the toughest one, I think. Same. <laughs> just, beca- just because... I don't know. <clears throat> Gordon Hayward scares me. Excuse me. <clears throat> Gordon Hayward scares me, but he hasn't really proven. I don't know how he's doing this postseason, but Terrible. all year he hasn't been the same player. So I don't know how much he actually scares me. I just know that he could be a huge piece for them if he puts everything together. Um Morris, I don't care about. I hate him. So, whatever. Um, Terry Rozier, just with the Bledsoe-Rozier stuff from last year, that whole thing kind of scares me. Is he going to step up again like he did last year um, and really put it to Bledsoe? But Daniel Theis or Thies or however you say his name, yeah, whatever. Um, and then the Bucks bench, obviously, is very good. Ursan's been playing extremely well of late. George Hill, again, playing very well. Miritich coming back from injury. He started to shoot a little better in the last game of that Pistons series. Um, or game three, I should say. And then Pat. Pat is Pat. He's been extremely good recently, too kind of giving the team a shot in the arm on defense, just all-around effort from Pat. I think I'm leaning towards the Bucks, but if Gordon Hayward figures it out and closely resembles his old self, then the Celtics have it. So mm-hmm. for me, Gordon Hayward is the X factor of whose bench is actually better. Right. I mean, that makes sense. Um, I got Gordon Hayward here for the through the first three games for the Celtics is shooting 16% from downtown. <laughs> uh, obviously, it's a small sample size. <laughs> um, he was kind of heating up at the end of the regular season. Um, now he's kind of gone a little funk. So, I mean, I agree. Bench-wise, he's by far the greatest X factor. Um, I think, you know, looking at the Bucks bench, though, um, we got some – you know, looking at Ursan and Hill, some veterans kind of lead us there. Um, Hill 
start he's been getting more aggressive as the season goes on with the bucks so I, he needs to stay in attack mode if he's attacking shooting threes um and then you know I'm, I'm sure he'll probably be matched up against Rozier so he'll have he's got that calm cool veteran presence um so I wouldn't be too worried about Rozier getting the best out of Hill and then you know it might be interesting um Pat you talked about his all-around energy and he's been really good at getting them blocks coming from behind shooters um so, you know, looking at a bench unit, if he's, you know, has assignment of guarding Hayward, um, might see a couple of those if the effort's there and Pat's able to get there in time. So I think I think in all overall I'd lean more towards the Bucks bench as well, has the edge. Yeah, this is one where um, injuries come into play big time because um, Celtics have Marcus Smart, who's always a – fucking thorn in anyone's side especially the Bucks um I haven't really heard much update on him so far but um we got the Bucks have Brogdon out obviously so that could shuffle up the bench um and Tony Snell um Miritich is still still kind of recovering um not up to a full load yet um, uh, I don't know. These are two really good benches. Um, I think Pat has kind of taken on the uh, playoff thon role, even though yep. Pat is good during the regular season too, actually. Um, but yeah, that like you guys said, that shot in the arm that the team needs offensively and defensively. Um, damn. I think this comes down to the coaching too, how the coach uses their bench. But I'm gonna. This is hard for me to do it, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with the Celtics bench, just because. I mean, the Bucks bench has been good all year, so is the Celtics bench. But just they they always seem to come in and do so well against the Bucks. Especially if Marcus Smart is back, then I give the Celtics the edge. But if if Smart's not back, um, then I'll give it to the Bucks. How worried are you about Hayward? I, you know, you know, it's it seems like the perfect Bucks luck that Gordon Hayward would all of a sudden discover his himself and just go off. You know. It does seem like that. Right, like last year, Terry Rozier had his coming out party. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they were all amazing without Kyrie. It, I don't know. I hope it's not, but it seems like the typical Bucks narrative. Um, but, yeah. All right, let's go on. We talked a tiny bit about coaching. Got two really good coaches here. Um, Budenholzer against Brad Stevens. Uh, why don't you guys quickly dissect this one? Okay, so this one, I was I was thinking about this before, and how I wanted to go about this. I think in the regular season, this regular season, Bud has been the better coach. I think part of that is overall his system was 
a million times better than Jason Kidd's, obviously. Um, so that was going to improve this team no matter what. And then there was some big acquisitions that John Horse made to help Bud, um, Ursan, George Hill, Miritich, Pat Connaughton, so our bench, essentially. Um, he all added either midseason or in the offseason, and I think that really helped Bud. But especially, like, playoffs and adjustments and everything, I think Brad Stevens is just a genius and probably the best coach in the league. So for me, it's tough to put Bud ahead of him. Um, but I think this could be a big series for Bud if he's able to kind of prove that he belongs in the same class. That would be huge, obviously. But um, I think I think Brad Stevens got this one. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you, Trevor. I think Stevens has the edge there. Um, I think the interesting part to watch will just be how Stevens attacks the Bucks defensively. I mean, there's <laughs> so many weapons on this offense, and like you said, Bud's system just fits in so perfectly with our personnel. Um, so I think that's what I'll be watching the closest. I mean, you you take away the paint, we shoot threes. You if then if you say, all right, Giannis wants you to wants you to beat us, and then he does it. So. <laughs> Well, I think that's will be what I'm watching the most is kind of how we go about it. They go about it defensively. Yeah, I, I just think Brad Stevens is more proven in playoffs. Um, I, I, granted, I also think Brad Stevens has just overall had better teams to coach. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, you can't really look to Bud's playoff resume. He's still a relatively new coach. I mean, Brad Stevens is too, but um, he, he's got a lot more playoff experience already. Um, I, yeah, I give the edge to Brad Stevens as well. He's, I th- in my opinion, he's probably the best coach. I think he's overtaken Popovich personally. Um but he he's amazing at adjustments, whether that's in-game adjustments or um, game by game. And I think that's where coaching is going to come in the most. Um, say the Celtics drop the first game, I think Brad Steven comes out and makes adjustments and makes sure that they don't lose back-to-back. Um, so it'll be something to watch. Um and then injuries, we talked about that. Um, Bucks got Brogdon, Snell, DiVincenzo, Pau Gasol, and Miritich is still recovering. So, um, whereas the Celtics have Marcus Smart, who we don't know could make an appearance, but we'll see. Um, so, based on what we looked at, it's pretty split. Um, Celtics got the backcourt, Bucks got frontcourt. Bucks got the bench, Celtics got coaching. Um, but it's not like any of these are blowouts. Um, uh, I think, honestly, I think the closest one to a blowout is the Bucks front court versus the Celtics front court. Um, 
That's the only one that that could be considered such. Um, so I'm just going to run through some important ratings or statistics for you guys. Uh, so during the regular season, the Celtics were 14th in points per game with 112. So far in this postseason, they've only got 90, 96 per game. That's against a stingy Pacers team, but the Bucks have an even better defense. Um, so Boston generating some offense could be could be a struggle for them. Um, they're fifth in assists per game during the regular season, 44 and a half. They share the ball really well, get open shooters. Um, they are eighth in points allowed with 108. Uh, so a solid defense they got. As far as postseason, they're third in field goal percentage against. So that means their their defense again is they're forcing tough shots from the defense uh, from the opposing team. The Bucks are second uh, when it comes to opponent field goal percentage. Um, and then one last big stat that I know you guys have showed some concern about is their three point percentage. Um, they're in the postseason they're shooting forty percent from three, which is pretty solid. That's good enough for fourth out of all the playoff teams. So um, before we wrap up here, let's just go for it. What are you guys predicting? Uh, same as what you had in your bracket last week, or have you kind of changed your mind? Uh, no, I think, well, I mean, technically I had the Pacers in the books, so <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have to change my mind. <laughs> Um, cause that's obviously not going to happen. Um, so I guess, you know, basically off that, I get to make a new prediction. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm kind of frightened of the Celtics series. Uh, but in the end, um, Bucks, I think are the better team, but it's, it's going to be a battle and it's going to be tough. Um, I could see Bucks winning and it's going to be six or seven would be my guess. It's obviously not going to be like the Pistons series, um, it's going to get chippy, might even be a few ejections, um, but it's going to be very fun basketball to watch, and I'm excited, ready to embrace it. Yeah, I am too. Um, so I'm looking back at all of our predictions, um, and in this series, <coughs> obviously, <coughs> god damn it. <coughs> Don't you go dying uh, on me. um so in the second round of the playoffs everyone had bucks and six so obviously tyler had that over the pacers but yeah i think i think the bucks can do it in six and i'm gonna stick with that because that's originally what i said so i'll say bucks and six even though this Celtics team scares me the most of any team in the East. So we'll see. <laughs> All right. So a uh, very unconfident Bucks and six. Tyler, what was your prediction? <laughs> uh, Bucks and seven with confidence. Bucks and seven. All right. Um, I'm going to stick with Bucks and six. I, 
I feel like the first few games are going to go back and forth. Um, as far as like, I say the Bucks win, Celtics, Bucks, Celtics. Um, but then the Bucks close it out. Um, with the last two games. Um, I I mean after watching them this this first round, there's really nothing to be worried about. Um, we should finish it in four, max five. Um, our stars have not been overplayed. Has Giannis even eclipsed thirty minutes yet in any of these games? I don't think so. I don't so. think so. You do. The has- only one who did last night was Brooke. I think Brooke I had think Chris 30. had 30, exactly. Oh, so Brooke had like but, 31. But, yeah, so it's not like our players are going to be worn out. Um, the only thing is these series are going really quick, so that doesn't give Brogdon a ton of time to come back. Um, but, I mean, the way we've been playing without him the last was seven, almost eight weeks, Um there's not too much to get worried about. Knock on wood. But boys, that's all I got. No. Um it's gonna be an exciting series. Hopefully we didn't just jinx the whole Pistons Bucks series. <laughs> if we did, we're never gonna do a Bucks podcast again. <laughs> and but hopefully we did jinx the Celtics though. Yes. Hopefully we did. Pacers in seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just you focus on finding some red dog, bud. All right. I'm going to enjoy hearing you dry heaving after chugging that. <laughs> we'll probably start dry heaving before I even open it. <laughs> yep. I am just thinking about it. <laughs> All right. Well, Bucks fans, thanks for joining us. Um, let us know your predictions. Um, it's it. We're traveling in uncharted territory now. Bucks haven't made a second round appearance in a long time, so um, we might be overzealous. We might be too cautious. I don't know. Let us know your thoughts, and we we will talk to you next week. Peace. Bye. Bye.